All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Four Things. I'm Amy, and Kat is joining me for today's Four Things. She's normally with me on the fifth thing, but welcome, Kat Tafata. Thank you. And we're sitting across from Donald Miller who I'm sure a lot of you know, and Kat and I are geeking down. We're super geeking out, geeking down. <laughs> I was just, I'm, see, I can't even talk. Don, can I call you Don? Yeah, definitely. Okay, because Don just asked Kat, Kat is, before we start recording, Kat, is it cool to call you Kat? Totally cool. Yeah, because yeah. you are Catherine. But I'm going to gain my composure, and I am bringing you in because I read here on a mission this year. Which, how many books have you published? Because I saw a ridiculous number on the internet. I, I believe it's 10. It's, but then some of them have changed the names and things like that. But I, I really do think it's 10. It's 10? Yeah. Okay, well, we're super pumped to have you here. And the reason why Kat is joining me, and then I've got a question from my sister, because she lives in Colorado. She can be here. But she's the whole reason I read here on a mission. She's read all your books. Wow. You know, we were talking one day, and she was just telling me, oh, this book is so great. Like, I have my highlighter, my pencil. I have notes in the margin. Her and her husband were both reading at the same time, but they only had one copy and they would 
steal it from each other and <laughs> have their notes. And then Kat said, oh, one of I read one of his books and it, it changed my life. <laughs> and so Kat's going to share some stuff with you. Um, Blue Like Jazz. Yeah. The book. One of my favorite yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm just going to read your Instagram bio for people because I feel like that's an easy way to summarize in case someone's not familiar with your work. But you've got CEO of Story Brand and Business Made Simple, part-time gardener at Goose Hill, <laughs> husband to Betsy and father to Emmeline. Mm. That's did I, right. Did I get that's that it. right? Yeah. Obviously, I know about Goose Hill and that whole thing. That was a big part of yeah. your book. And creating that, that was very important to you to have Goose Hill. But the, being a part-time gardener there, that's what you call your property. Goose Hill. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we, named after your dog, Goose. It's named after Lucy Goose Miller mm-hmm. because I would take her out to this property just, just south of Nashville because I could take her off leash and run around in the woods. And then the found of the property's for sale and then slowly came up with a sort of a ridiculous vision to buy it and make a little mini retreat center. We've been working that for five years and we are two months from finishing. Everything will be done in 60 days. So define ridiculous though. Ridiculous because it was a, it was a bit of a crazy vision. When my wife and I first got married, I got married late. I got married at 42, which is a whole other story that I should go on Kat's podcast because I probably need a therapist. Uh, (laughs) That's one thing. And and then my wife actually headed up a bed and breakfast in Washington, DC. That's how we met. I would fly into DC and do some work there. And I stayed at this bed and breakfast. I just fell for her immediately. Three years later, she went out with me. And then our first year of marriage, we had over 200 overnight guests. And I realized we need to do something Mm -hmm. different because this isn't logistically going to work in our little condo. And so I had this vision. And, uh, you know, it was a house, a sort of event space in the backyard, and then a guest house. And, you know, just kept putting a little something on the plot. And and in two months, we'll be done. It's already full functioning. You know, people are already coming and staying and things like that. But So when you do the writing Retreat the storytelling workshop. Yeah, Allie and I do Allie. a workshop called Write Your Story. In October? Yes. Is that where we will be? Because I'm will coming. be there. <gasps> I just informed Donald I'm attending. I was going to say, you're going to Goose Hill. Yes. I was like, this place is famous to us now. And my it's sister. famous, except you could literally just stop by. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right down the street. It's not, a, it's not an elite access retreat center. It's just our house. Well, <laughs> Christy Dozier, who's my sister, and I, we will be there. And my sister is a beautiful writer, Don. So I'm hoping that you and Allie just get it all out of her. And it tends to be that way. We've done it twice. People just tend to start flowing with ideas and things. So she has it works for her. the words. She has the ideas. She just doesn't, she puts things off, which I'll, I'm going to start off with her question yeah. that she sent to me. Uh, I'm just reading verbatim what she texted me. Would love some tips for overcoming procrastination. So often I can stay in my head, ideas and or dreams swirling, but taking action is another thing. There is a mental hurdle I have to jump that I can't explain. Sometimes I jump it and I think I've overcome my tendency to procrastinate, but nope. Does Donald Miller ever procrastinate these days or does he just do? That's a really great question. Mm. And I I used to be a massive procrastinator. And what's interesting is as I got older, time started being taken away because, you know, you have a company, so you have to show up at this meeting. Then you have a, a marriage and, you know, a lot of time is taken away there, and then you have a baby, and you have no more time. <laughs> That's kind of it. Yeah. And so the more time is taken away, the more I just realized you're not going to get anything done. It was almost like the more time was taken away from me, the more focused and intentional I got about using the time that I had. And so that led me to discover, I think, the best trick 
in regards to procrastination. And that is for years before Betsy and I had a child from 7 to 10.30 a.m., I sat in the same place, drank the same cup of coffee, and five days a week got work done on whatever I was working on because that, that was the window that I had to do it. Now that the baby's here, it's 8 a.m. to you know 11.30. But a fixed time, a fixed place in which you show up and punch in and if it's a good day's work, you get a lot of it done. If it's a bad day's work, you don't get much done. But the consistency is actually that you're there. If it were still open-ended, I mean, I remember being a bachelor wandering around Portland, Oregon, knowing that I had to get, you know, a couple hours of riding done today and walked around and went to a movie and hung out with a friend and had coffee and rode my bike and it's 8 o'clock at night and it's now time for me to start. And as time was being taken away, I was forced to, you know, make the best of it. And I think it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. So whatever that is, if it's 8 to 10 in the morning, if it's 8 to 10 at night, whatever that window is, but getting a bodily habit of showing up, sitting down. Because what happens is in the morning now, my mind is ready to write. Mm-hmm. And if I don't write, it's, it's actually a really frustrating day because I didn't get something out of me that I needed to get, to get out. And, and it's just been great. And all of the long-term career writers, all of them, that's how they work. They figured it out. Stephen King... You don't hear him on the speaking circuit. He could probably get half a million dollars a talk. He doesn't go. What he does is he sits down every morning in the same place at the same time. He writes his book. When his book is done, he prints it out on paper. He opens a drawer in his desk, and he puts it in the desk, and he writes another book. And when that book is done, he takes the other book out of his desk and edits it, and then he turns it into the publisher. And it's just an assembly line. And I think that's the key to long-term career content creation is just habits and rituals and literally you just have to train your subconscious as though it's a dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just think that, yeah, I think that's so interesting what you said about as time as I had less time that was easier for me because I feel like I all the time I'm like I just need more time I need more time if there were more hours in the day I could do this and you're saying when time got smaller I was better you get able more to like focus as things begin to be taken away from yeah. you. Think about even your health like I have never in my life, if you look back on my life, I've never been an especially healthy person. But as I get closer to the date that I'm going to die, I eat more blueberries. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like things are being taken away. Like, no, I want this. I'm, you know, I want to king on to it. And so there's actually a benefit. Arthur Brooks just released an article in The Atlantic, I believe, about the myth of midlife crisis. And he basically says, after 30, all the studies show you just get happier every year. And you get happier. And because as things get taken away, you just get sharper. And he actually said the main reason is pattern recognition that you meet somebody you're like wow it's a really fascinating person and the next morning you wake up and go you know what that's a narcissist and i need to stay away from them because you've seen this before <laughs> and yeah. and so pattern recognition actually helps you make better and better decisions the older you get if you pay attention right the cue there i don't would know be... how we got to pattern recognition and arthur books from that. well i'm here but for I'm, it I yeah do, i'm enjoying this very much better yeah at figuring out how to manage life as you get older. That would be my theory. Yes, as long as you're willing as long as you're to willing and do you pay the attention. work and pay attention and be Yeah, you yeah. don't have a victim mindset. The four characters, which are in any good movie, but also live in us. Yeah. Like any good story. I know I'm just saying movies, but it could be a book yeah. or whatever. But there's the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide. Yeah. And I love how in Hero on a Mission, you broke down each of those characters and really challenged us to think about how do we want to show up in the world? Yeah. And again, that self-awareness of like, 
I am victim mentality right now. And now my sister and I, we speak this language to each other. And I even said to her the other day, and I love how siblings or any close friendship, you know, can be honest with each other. I was like, I don't know. I just feel like, do you think I tend to be victim-y-ish at times? And she was able to be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I don't want to show up that way. So I clearly need to work through some of this stuff you know, I needed to build new neural pathways yeah, to know yeah. that I can new be different. I don't mechanisms. have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why was it important for you to put this book out there? And when did you first come up with the idea of like, oh, there's there's a whole book here based on these four characters that I see in, yeah. in every story? Well, years and years ago, I, I lived in Portland, Oregon. Today, Betsy and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but I lived in Portland, Oregon for 20 years. I was a writer and I wrote a book that took off. Then some movie directors came to me and said, we would like to make a movie about this book. Which book? Blue Like Jazz. So I was very, 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 very grateful and still am that that book took off. We ended up, I ended up working with these, a cinematographer and a director, I think for two years, trying to turn that book into a movie. And we realized pretty quickly, in order to do that, we're going to have to fictionalize much of this story. So the movie ended up being not much like the book. The reason we had to do that is because it needed to obey story structure in order to get people's attention. Now, that was my introduction to something called story structure. I just assumed when people sat down to write a movie script, they just kind of gutted it out. Not true. What actually happens is on page three, this happens. On page seven, this happens. On page nine, this happens. And it is unbelievably formulaic. Mm. And there are only seven formulas that ever get used when you write a movie. So if you're going to see a movie you were watching one of seven movies. And it pretty much doesn't change ever. And if it does, that movie bombs at the box office. It's fascinating. You can actually buy software, and I have it on my computer, that will tell you what to do next in the movie. But it's also like pop music, right? So if you listen to Taylor Swift songs, it be chorus, verse, chorus, verse. It's extremely formulaic, but they, it can be so different based on what you do with the chorus and the verse. So it's very similar with formulas. The closer you stay to a formula, if done well, the more entertaining the movie is. Friends and I just went to see Top Gun 2, right? It's just ridiculously formulaic. Every single trick in the book is in that movie. And so much so that my wife doesn't even like going to movies with me because I elbow her and say, that guy's going to die in well, 31 minutes. I going to say, this ruined movies for you? It doesn't because movies themselves, those formulas are so incredibly powerful that they cause you to suspend disbelief mm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So the average brain daydreams 30% of the time as a survival mechanism. Because your brain is always looking to survive, and if you can't, if there's nothing in, in your immediate conversation or, or whatever you're doing that's going to help you survive, your brain will just say, well, let's just check out. And so what I did was I began to study story in order to help write this screenplay. And we wrote the screenplay and released it, and it didn't do all that well. But the story structure stayed with me. And so I leveraged the understanding of story. After I'd written my seventh memoir, the publisher wanted an eighth, and I, I was just like, look, nothing, nothing else has happened. Like I went camping and you can't make a book out of that. So I wrote a book called Building a Story Brand, which was about how to clarify your marketing message. Now, it's a book about clarifying your marketing message so your business can grow based on a structure that was introduced by Plato 2,500 years ago. This book has zero potential to sell. You know, it's just a geek book and it's me sitting down writing a geek book. That book sold 700,000 copies hundreds of thousands of businesses. And it put me suddenly in this light where I'm telling people how to clarify their message. But the whole time I'm doing this, I'm realizing story structure actually has much more to teach us about ourselves 
and our life and who we are and how to get meaning out of this experience, how to live an interesting story, than it does for selling plungers. Which I'm very grateful that it sells plungers because I've built Goose Hill based on plunger sales. <laughs> but, you know, so that's what Hero, that's how Hero on a Mission came about because I wanted to say, hey, let's talk about why some of us on this planet are having a terrific experience with life and others of us are not. Mm-hmm. And let's actually stop blaming the government or our bosses or whatever and accept personal agency to do something with our own story. In other words, to write and direct and live into your own story. And, you know, it cemented in me when a friend in Portland said, hey, will you get together with an acquaintance of mine who wants to write a book? He's just traveled around America. You once traveled around America and wrote a book about it. Could you get together with him? I said, sure. And as we talked, we were sitting at Palio Coffee Shop, and he said at least three times, well, you know, life is meaningless, which is something you hear a lot in Portland. It might as well be the state motto, life is meaningless. So it wasn't a surprise to me. But as I kept hearing it and studying story, I thought to myself, wait a second, what if life is not meaningless? And I said this to him. What if life is not meaningless? What if just your life is meaningless? And what I mean is what if, you are, what if what you are doing with your life is giving you an experience of meaninglessness and you are projecting that onto the rest of us? And, of course, we're not friends anymore. He was sort of offended by that. But I learned something really interesting that day. I began to live the way I would want a character in a story I was writing to actually live, to step away from my life. And those elements, the the, the first element is there are four major characters in a story, victim, villain, hero, and guide. And those four characters we recognize on screen, not just because they exist in the real world, but actually more so because they exist inside of each of us. And if you play too much of the villain character that exists in you, and each of these is a choice that we make as we respond to different moments. If you played the villain character too much, what will happen to you is what happens to villains in stories. You will be isolated. You will not have intimate relationships. Villains do not have friends. They have minions. And if you take it too far, you'll be imprisoned or perhaps killed. Then there is the victim, and the victim plays a bit part in the movie. The job of the role of the victim in a story is to make the hero look good and the villain look bad, and that's it. There's no other part. They don't change. They don't adapt. They don't transform. They don't win the day. They don't get any glory. They just more or less suck resources into themselves Mm -hmm. and exist as a narrative plot device. The hero in the story is weak, ill-equipped, can't get the job done, in desperate need of help, flawed, and yet willing to accept challenges and throughout the process of the movie transforms Mm -hmm. into a much better version of themselves, very capable. And then the guide in the movie is the person who was the hero in another movie but is now fully equipped to help heroes win the day. And so they turn around and leverage their expertise in order to help people figure out what's going on in their life. So Kat would be a good example of a guide. A guide yes, role. I was about to say, Kat <laughs> guides me every Tuesday on the fifth thing. But it's and funny so, that you thought of me. I thought of Haymaker from The Hunger Games. In the, do you guys Hamish. Know? Hamish. Hamish, yes. Yeah, in Woody the from Games. Cheers yes. helps Katniss win the day. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, well, he and Yoda about that helps... Uh, That's probably Luke Skywalker, Mr. Yeah. Miyagi helps Daniel and the Karate yes. Kid. There's always these guides in these movies. Do you find that in, well, I guess they're in the patterns of the stories that the villain or the persecutor ends up having their own like story of like, um, I don't know how, what to call it, like coming to like awareness or like uh, change uh, of heart. And is that like a, 
something that naturally happens or something that's just like written in stories to like tug at your heartstrings? If we were writing a story and we wanted the story to work really well, the villain pretty much is also a two-bit character. They can't have a realization and change. The only character that's allowed to change in your story, if you want it to be a popcorn you know, <laughs> movie, is the hero. The guide can't change, the victim can't change, and the villain can't change. These are bit parts that serve the hero's story of transformation. So if you ever wonder, okay, was that person the hero, ask yourself, did they transform? Were they, were they ill-equipped at the beginning and competent at the end? That's usually the transformation. If the villain begins to transform, the audience starts to wonder who the hero is. Wait, is the hero this? Now, the main distinction between who becomes the villain and who becomes the hero Every character, victim, villain, hero, guide, starts with what I call a hero in a hole. That is, they're in pain, something's wrong, and they're trying to climb out of this hole. The decision point between whether you're going to be the hero and the villain happens in how you respond or react to pain. So the, the hero is going to accept it and attempt to let it make them grow, and then it's going to try to stop that pain from happening to anybody else. That would be the hero journey. The victim is going to give in to it and be buried by it and not try. Mm -hmm. The villain is going to say, the world has hurt me, and so I'm gonna hurt the world in return. Okay. And so they don't try to stop the world from inflicting pain. They try to control the world so it doesn't hurt them anymore. And in order to do that, they're gonna have to put the boot on the neck of other people. Which is also our narrative, cat. sometimes yeah. that I share on the fifth thing about what am I even doing? Why does mm -hmm. this even matter? This is so stupid. <laughs> Who's listening? Why do we care? But that's also to yeah. protect myself because if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, but that, well, that's like your friend that you called out that's no longer your friend. I mean, you can tell me the truth, Don. If I'm speaking to myself that way, I'll still be friends with you if you just <laughs> speak the truth to me and say, like, yeah, I, but I do have those moments where nothing matters. 100%. Th those, those are victim thoughts. Yeah. See, told you I was a victim. And, and I, no, 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 no. I still stand by my earlier quote. You, you wouldn't have gotten here if your, your default mode, I, I mean, both of you, without knowing you, I'm telling you, you just wouldn't have gotten here unless your default mode was heroic. But you're saying that like the But it's choice. all percentages, right? Yeah. It's like if you're 60% hero and 40% victim, your life is going to go okay. If you're 60% victim and 40% hero, it's not. Yeah. You just have to spend more time in the gear of hero than you do in the gear of victim. Yeah. And you're saying. And be self-aware. Yeah. It's how we respond to the pain or the whatever happens to us. Because that's one of the things I wrote down from the book that you said is pain causes you to pay attention. Yeah. And it's not just there to hurt you. It's like what we do with it that really, really matters. And how you just described that was like very nice for me to see of like in my life when I've had things happen to me, look at how I've responded and look at the outcome that came from each of those situations. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just want to sit here and write it all down now because I'm sure it would be very eye-opening. Victimhood is so unbelievably seductive. I was going to say, it's kind of nice. It's so nice. <laughs> it is. It's so yeah. comforting. Guys. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a like gooey slice of lava cake. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cream on top. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so, so tempting. But the more, you know, I, and I also don't, I think, here's what's fascinating. If you catch yourself playing the victim and you say, you are such a loser, you're not a victim, you're taking advantage of them, you're sucking resources into yourself, you've always been like this, listen really closely to who you've become, the villain. The villain. And so oh. now you have a villain inside of you condemning the victim inside of you, and that is a worthless conversation. Yeah, interesting. So the key is, according to Riso and Hudson, did you ever read The Wisdom of the Enneagram Cat or any of that stuff? I've read a lot of Enneagram, but not yeah. that one. They, they have a little bit in the back of the book that just says, look, it does no good to judge yourself. Just be self-aware. In other yeah. words, just say, hey, you're doing that thing 
where you think of yourself like a victim, how would a hero see this moment mm. with no judgment? And that tends to work a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. You don't even know you're doing it. Like there was a, there was a, there's somebody that I know who is a bit, in my opinion, is a bit of a fraud. They're just running a bit of a con game right now. And I'm just so mad at them because they kind of screwed me over and blah, blah, blah. My wife and I went to see uh, Music Man on Broadway recently. And we watched the movie, watched the movie, watched the movie. And here's this con man. He goes into town. He's very charming. You know, Hugh Jackman, if you get a chance, it's unbelievable on Broadway right now. And I'm like, this is so entertaining, so entertaining. And this character comes into the movie who is a, another salesman who realizes that this con man is making life hard for actual salespeople and threatens to reveal everything. And I'm like, wait a second. That's the villain. And that's exactly who I'm playing in life. And it's going to go exactly the way it's going in this film, that people are going to call me self-righteous. And, and, I, and it was just sort of a come-to-Jesus moment for me to go, oh, you think you're being self-righteous and helping the world, but actually you're being vengeful and jealous. And you're going to cast yourself as a villain in this story if you keep going. So what do you have to do? Yeah. Stop doing what I was doing. Uh, and just think. be self-aware of, rather than saying, well, I'm going to reveal how terrible this person is, mm-hmm. which they're actually not that terrible. I have to go, no, you're being self-righteous and jealous. And those are villainous tendencies. If you want to, you can go to them and say, hey, here's what I see. Is there a way I could help you out? Which I had no interest in doing that. Yeah. So that's how tricky all this stuff is. But it's really important because those decisions that we make out of these emotions actually determine whether life goes well for us or not, whether we're good parents, whether we're a good spouse, whether you know we have a good career. If you watch people who just rise, they are people who you just can't get them to think of themselves as victims. It's just mm. very, very hard to get them to think of themselves as, as victims because they just don't want to go there. Mm. You know, they just see, well, yeah, life has screwed me over several times, but look what I got out of it. I got stronger and I got more determined. And if those th- things wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of attitude that tends to succeed. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us 
So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women. 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. So there's the hero. Yeah. That rises, but sometimes the villain rises. Within you or in the story? No, in the story. Well, no. I don't even know about well, in the movies, the movie, Dawn. I'm talking about If you think about the movie life. The Joker, it's the, it's the heroic backstory of a character that had a choice to become a hero or a villain, and they became a villain. Uh, Cruella, I think, is one of the best movies out right now. If you haven't, have you seen Cruella? Have you yes, guys seen so that? Good. It's so good. And imagine how can you get an audience to sympathize and root for a villain? And what they had to do was give her heroic tendencies. And the way she vacillated between hero and villain hinged on one plot device. And that plot device was how she treated her friends. So when she treated them like minions, she was Cruella. 
And when she treated them like friends, she was Estella. And she went back and forth. And they, as soon as you started to hate her, she would have this sort of repentant moment and go back and be nice to her friends and her dogs. And then she would turn back into evil. And you that's how they strung you along to make you root for her. I'm thinking about all of these shows where I've been like, oh, they write it so well where you like want to love this person, then you want to hate them in the next season or the next episode. I guess what I'm thinking about now is how do I operate in my own life when I see somebody like that as a therapist? When you see somebody who's going back and forth? Yes. When I see somebody in my life where I'm like, they're a villain, villain they're a hero, they're a villain, they're a hero. Uh, then that's where I see myself being that self-righteous person. Almost. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or I guess you just have to like draw a boundary. I'm answering my own question. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries. I, 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 if I were a therapist, I'd be the worst therapist because I would just say, yeah. look, you're, you're acting like a, a villain. I don't really care if you <laughs> listen to me or not. If that's what you're doing. So yeah. next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Good talk show. No, no, not yeah. good therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really in the book, like you help us discover when we are being one of these characters. Yeah. I hope so. You know, here's my theory after releasing the book. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a whole lot of people who actually want to think about it. Oh, that's all no, I can think absolutely. about. No, I think you're right. What? That's all you think but about. I but think it's it. a, I think it's a unique no, no. person. Yes, I, Amy, you got to take a compliment here because you're one of the people that I've gotten to know that wants to be you want to be better. In, you want to learn. You want to grow. And when you do something, you want to like really know how people feel about it. You're one of the most honest people if you're, and that I've experienced. Most people, even like a lot of my clients, they don't really want to know that. They want to feel good. So they want to come to me, they want to feel good, and then they want to go and live their life, and they don't want to do that hard stuff. I think it's, like you said, it's really comfortable was, to be the— I was very surprised at how yeah. rare these qualities are. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think you would be where you are unless you had them. Yeah. Well, and I'm, again, being able to talk to my sister about it was helpful because, I mean, we we would talk about it on the phone multiple times. Mm-hmm. What chapter are you on? Where are you? What do you think about mm-hmm. this? Oh, and then we would talk about literal life experiences. She was going through something at the time, and it actually helped her navigate a pretty serious situation. Mm-hmm. And I think so for her and her husband, they were reading this at like the perfect time. So basically you put it out for them. Thank you. <laughs> and isn't that cool though to hear That's, that your I, I work, like that. it yeah. literally impacted how they moved forward in a very difficult situation. So and I was able to be a part of that conversation and speak this language with her. And then, yeah, it's something I would just, I would think about my story all the time. I do cryotherapy. Do you I've know done that? that? I've done it like four times. Yeah. <laughs> Very cold. I go almost every day. And wow. Mainly for the three minutes. What's your record? Of silence. My, the temperature? Yeah. Negative 227. <laughs> I'm in the box three minutes. Some people listen to music. I guess I've dabbled in music. If someone else is already playing a song, I'm like, I'll just keep it hooked up and I'll do some Lizzo or whatever. Right, right, right. But did you know I was reading your book, but also listening to the audio and I was having them play your book three minutes at a time. In Every the morning, day. That's I, how you and the, to it? the the cryotherapy people, when I would show up, my people, I go to restore shout out and they would put me in and they'd be like, are you listening to that book today? And I'm like, yep. They're like, okay, three minutes at a time. I mean, that, <laughs> that would be my three minutes. And then I'd read a little bit more later or whatever. But that's how I ca- I didn't want to put it down. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get it any which way that I could. And so then I'd be in there for my three minutes. And like, I would be thinking of my life and my story. And my year has been just I know a lot of people have really hard years. So everyone might be like, yeah, my last year has been stupid. But my last year for me personally is probably the most difficult, challenging year of my entire life. Wow. 
and I've experienced loss and, but in this year it was, it was some loss and then some other just really bonkers type things that I'd never had to deal with before. And I was like, okay, I'm coming out of the other side of this and who am I going to be? And I think that's what the going through this is what cause has caused me to want to, why you've experienced this version of me, Kat, of like wanting to figure it out, wanting to be better. How do I want to show up? What is my story? But I still, that's my question. I don't know. There's still some unknown things in my life right now that are very unsettling. And my therapist is like, you need to get inward. So that's why I started going to acupuncture. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm doing the neurofeedback. I'm in talk therapy. I'm in couples therapy. I'm in now acupuncture. I am making sure that I'm getting outside and getting the sun and being with the trees. I went forest bathing, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done that? I don't know what it is. It sounds itchy. <laughs> you, could do, you could do this at Goose Hill. I, I was just going to leave this on the retreat. Yeah, when, when we come out to Goose Hill, we should take the crew and go forest bathing. Is it bathing. where you just walk under leaves? You, That's you supposed to be helpful. Go, you can, you're clothed. It's bathing because you're just, you know, soaking it all right. up. But Dawn, it is your property. You, you we're building trails right now. However you want to do it. Yeah. But we could <laughs> all be clothed. Forest bathe at Goose Hill. And you lay down maybe a blanket in the forest and you just sit there and you sit with the trees and the leaves and the outside and you soak it all up. And this has helped you feel a little more Listen, centered and peaceful. That's what I heard. It's like your survival, your lifeboat. So I'm trying it. Yeah. I'm trying anything. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas. Anytime I wear them or I get a new pair, they feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. 
If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. You know what's interesting to me, and I don't know if this is true, but it's helpful. When I, when I go through those hard things, I'll ask myself, what big thing is this preparing me for? Mm-hmm. In other words, someday I'll look back and say, if you wouldn't have gone through that, you would not be prepared to do this. And often when it's really, really difficult people, I think, wow, you are being prepared to handle a situation where you have a lot of difficult people, which is usually a powerful place to be. And if you poke your head out in this world, you're going to get shot at. And so you're learning to get shot at and to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell myself that, and that that helps me through well, the Well, I'm going to repeat it for people because yeah. I wrote it down, but it's what big thing is this preparing me for? That's so right. I'm you know how myself. this reminds me? I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I was listening to a podcast, and I wish I remembered who said this, but it has stuck with me. And he was talking about how he deals with difficult stuff in his life, and he says, I start with gratitude because when you look back on things in hindsight— you're usually grateful for those things that you didn't get or you didn't have or you missed, usually. And so if you're in the midst of something and you turn your foresight into hindsight, you can start with gratitude. And that kind of speaks to that of like, this is preparing me for something. I just don't know what it is. But if I start with that mindset, which to me would be more of a hero mindset than Mm -hmm. a victim or a villain. If I start with that mindset, then like, yeah, this stuff is still hard, but it puts a little bit of purpose into it. And when we have purpose in our lives, things just... I mean, all around feel a little bit better. 
but turning, what is it? Turning your foresight into hindsight and starting with gratitude. Oh, lemons into lemonade. No, well, I guess so. I guess you could use that too. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? I thought that's what you were going to say. Like in my brain, you were like, you know, like that. And then you didn't say it. And in my head, I was if like, think about, If you think about stories, if you think about any movie, whatever your favorite movie is, there's a transformation at the end that the hero has. And usually, usually there, it's just trouble, 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 trouble. And in the last nine minutes, they finally become the person they need to become in order to accomplish whatever they need to accomplish. The only way they could become that person was pain, pain, challenge, challenge, pain, pain, challenge, challenge. So when pain and challenge happens, we can either say life is unfair, life sucks, I'm a victim, everything bad happens to me, or, okay, I am being prepared, perhaps against my will, but I am being prepared for something bigger if I accept this and metabolize it and help me change. There's this old story that I read years and years and years ago. I probably read it 100 times. And it's this character in the Bible of all places who is the second most powerful person in the world. They are a Jew, and they're an assistant to Pharaoh in Egypt, and they run a food-for-land program that necessitates a military to back them up, and also a pretty good understanding of tax codes and these sorts of things. If you reverse engineer how they got there, they were disenfranchised from their families, thrown in a well. They were rescued from the well and turned into a slave in a man's house, Potiphar's house, who ran the military in Egypt. So while being a slave to that person, they understood how the military worked. Then they were wrongly accused of sexually assaulting that man's wife and thrown into a prison that was a military prison. They were stuck in prison for years. It was a government prison with all the convicts out of Pharaoh's power structures were in this prison. Every branch of government was in that prison. So while he was under, in prison, he understood, without knowing it, how mm-hmm. the government works. And then he ends up in front of Potiphar. Potiphar thinks he's so smart, he makes him second in command. If he wouldn't have been thrown in well, disenfranchised from family, put in Potiphar's house as a slave, or thrown in prison, he would not be mm-hmm. qualified to be the second most powerful person in the world. Mm-hmm. And so if we have that kind of attitude, okay, what is this preparing me for? Is it preparing me for a great marriage? Is it preparing me to be a better parent? Is it preparing me to write a book someday? If you just have that attitude, which basically is, what can we make of this? You know, one thing that at my company, I have about 30 employees. When something hard happens, and it tends to happen a couple times a year, we literally gather in a room and we ask one question. What does this make possible? So the market just crashed. Nobody can get on a plane and fly to Nashville. 85% of our income happens because business leaders come and sit in a room and learn how to grow their businesses. Our entire business model is gone. Therefore, what does this make possible? And everybody kicks around ideas. And that year we saw a 30% increase in revenue. We had our best year ever. But if we said it's over and played the victim, I'd be bankrupt right now. So just asking that question, what does this make possible in every hard situation, changes and pivots our minds so that we can look at life like a hero instead of like a victim, which makes all the difference. Imposter syndrome. We were talking about that this morning on the Bobby Bone Show. So I feel like that's something I see on Instagram a lot. Hmm. And so when someone is dealing with that, is that victim? When you feel like you're a fraud? Well, you're telling yourself a story that you're a fraud, right? Well, when I think of imposter thing, I think of feeling sort of guilty that you're you're out past your capabilities and you're pretending to be somebody that you're not. Is that what you mean or is it something else? Well, I don't know if just some people that are posting about it or the ways it's been talked about in my world and then the people that I follow is very much, and Kat, maybe you can speak to it, but it's that I don't know how I got here, but like I don't deserve to be here. And there's so many other people that could do my job better than me. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, if people were to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't deserve to be here, like I'm, I'm going to get busted. Yeah. Like that is at least how I see it presented in my, like, who am I to mm-hmm. do this, say this, feel like I can be this. But, but I think that if that's how you fe- really feel, I don't think you're being an imposter if you say it. Mm. Okay. Like, I'm not a big fan of fake it till you make it. Yeah. Okay. I'm a big man, a fan of go do it and fail publicly yeah. and then try again and fail publicly mm-hmm. and don't fake it at all. Just say, hey, I want another shot. I really want to develop this competency. I think if you've been in a position of influence for seven, eight, nine, ten years and you're still saying, woe is me, I think you're acting. Mm. I, I, it's been eight years. You, you belong yeah. here now and, and we should probably well, stop. Well, shoot. I've been doing this for 16 right? years and now you're calling me out. I'm not. But there's something about your personality that people are drawn to and the things that you say. Okay. You know, it's an it's an economic system, Amy. If it didn't, if you weren't good at this job, you'd be gone. Okay. Right? They've got to sell ads. Or really what's uncomfortable about owning that you are good at what you do? Well, now we're does making that, this Does that feel like you put a target on your back? <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I said, we talked when we talked about this show this yeah. morning, I was like, oh yeah, I don't have it every day. But maybe that's just the story I keep telling myself. I'm not, I'm definitely not acting or tr- trying to say it, but I, I could see where that becomes a thing. But maybe in a way that I, I am, because if I were to look at the facts, then I do deserve to be here. Yeah. But I, but sometimes we don't, we're not always able to see the facts and we have other people around us that maybe make us feel otherwise yeah. at times. And so then it gets very confusing and you're like, well, wait a second, do I deserve to be here? I don't know. And then I'm like, I don't even know how I got here. And I'm only here because of this person and that person and this person. And if like they so were here, they. then I'm gone. So they're only there for, because okay. that person, this person is. And okay. it well, also takes stories, away, right? that takes away responsibility. Cause that's, as I'm processing this, cause I've felt that at times too, of like, who am I? Or I'm going to get found out. But when I play that tape through, the imposter syndrome tape through, what comes back to me is that like it takes responsibility away from me. So if I mess up or I do something or like something flops or like let's say I'm on your podcast now and on Tuesdays your ratings go way down, it's like, well, I told you so. I wasn't supposed to be doing that. And it takes my responsibility away, which is victim mindset to me mm-hmm. of like this isn't my fault. It's also self-protectionism. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, if, if I'm here by accident, then if I fail, it's not a big deal. Totally. Yeah. Mm. You know, or if I give you bad advice, I wasn't supposed to be here in the first place. Right? Yes. So what's interesting about guides, at least in stories, is they can be largely incompetent in a number of areas. Hey, Mitch has a drinking problem. You know, Daniel, the, the drama teacher in the King's Speech, isn't actually a doctor. He's not exactly corrected the king when he thought he was a doctor. And so he's got a little ethical thing there. They can have flaws. They can have big-time flaws. Mm. They cannot have a flaw in their area of expertise. It's not allowed in story structure. In other words, Hamish has to actually know how to win the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, the drama teacher in the King's Speech, actually has to know how to stop a guy from stuttering Mm -hmm. and help him do that. In fact, there's there's an amazing scene in the movie The King's Speech, which won an Academy Award, where Daniel, the drama teacher, and the king are alone in some sort of church and there's a big throne up at the top uh, of the church and or at the, on the stage. And the king has found out that Daniel does not, in fact, have a PhD. He's not a doctor. And so he confronts him. And he says, you have lied to me. I have given you my confidence. I have spent time with you. I'm the king of England, and you're screwing around. You are a fraud. And Daniel, it's an incredibly important scene in the story structure of the movie. Daniel says... You're the one who thought I was a doctor. Yes, I did not correct you. 
perhaps I should have done that, but don't ever tell me that I can't help you overcome a stutter or that I'm not qualified. There were young soldiers who came out of the war filled with trauma, and I helped every one of them. That's where I cut my teeth, and that's where I learned. If you don't think I have the authority to help you, you're wrong. You can be a great king, and you can stop stuttering. Can we get back to work? If Daniel would have said, you're right, I have no experience, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, maybe I can help you, maybe I can't, do you want to move forward? The story is ruined, and that movie does not win an Academy Award. One thing the guide cannot do the guide has to be competent in the area in which they're giving advice. Mm-hmm. Do they have to be competent in their marriage? Their, if they're giving real estate advice, who cares about the rest of your life? But you have to know what you're doing or you're no longer the guide and you're the hero and mm-hmm. trying to become somebody. So that's in story structure. How that yeah. relates to life, you know, I don't know because none of us are complete experts at everything. Yeah. I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah, I mean, the whole time you're talking, I'm like, can I just put Donald in my pocket? <laughs> But here, but here's, and like anytime here, I need you to just speak that, to me, here's I just, something that I don't think you would ever apologize for, and probably be offended if somebody confronted you about it. Said, "Well, you actually don't know how to be entertaining or interesting." You would actually say, "No, I'm sorry. I may have some bad days, but I know exactly how to be, mm-hmm. be entertaining." Would you say that? I mean, you have people listening to you. Oh, my confidence, Don. I don't know if it's just okay. Like for example, things just get to me big time. Like we got an email on the Bobby Bone Show today. We, it was red and they ranked the members of the show in what they thought, because we do employee of the month here. Uh-huh. And every month we have to have a speech prepared and we read the speech. And then you find out if you win. So you read your speech. And this Wait, month, what is this? You read a speech as though you won employee of the yeah, month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you're given the award. So this time, I mean, and I haven't been winning at all. And which is okay, fine. But I'm like, why? I'm 41 years old. Why do I care about this? But I this month I was preparing my speech and I literally was like, I probably still have it on my in my show notes. But I was like, why? I, I started I'm, to make my speeches rhyme. Just pull it up. Have it here on my notes. Because you have to do it every month? Yeah, because I'm and like, it has to be a different speech. I'm out of speeches. So yeah. I just created a flow. I I'm said, so curious about like, I said, why that happens. Yeah. <laughs> So not even sure what to write about anymore. Last round of this, my rhyme was a bore. But since we have to have something to share just in case, here's to employee of the month finally featuring my face. (laughs) Well, I'm thankful to win. We all know it takes a team. There's so much talent on the show. We're bursting at the seam. So to each and every one of you in this room, this award is for you too. So don't look so gloom. (laughs) But then, and then I didn't get it. (laughs) So... (laughs) Which is fine. I don't, but, 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 okay, back. So it'll be like that. So then a listener heard the employee of the month segment and decided to write in and said, hey, you know, heard the segment and made me want to just assess my opinion of the show the last month and who I rank as like really brought it a game. That's a bit villainous. Well, they meant well. It wasn't mean. It was not mean, but this is how sensitive I am. Okay. The email is read and maybe I'm hormonal. I don't know, but they, they ranked six people. And I'm on the show, I would say I'm categorized as number two, like a co-host, but like the main, like the, and I've been here for 16 years or whatever it has been. And I was number six. (laughs) She was kind in putting me at six, but I still was, I was at six. So like, no matter what she said, all I registered was like, out of everybody on the list, I was last. I was like, don't, why do you, you don't even know this person. Why do you care? And also she was really kind in what she said about me. She didn't say anything bad about me, but I 
my value was, I'm already struggling with that. And then it was like, oh, I just had to hear an email where I was number six. And I don't know why that's bothering me. Cause again, I don't know her, but I had to like hold back like a lump in my throat. Yeah. But I just, I'm trying to figure that out because you're right. It's like, why do I not know my value? I've been here, but then I'll let an email from a stranger that's a listener and I value their opinions. I mean, they're the ones listening. Like that's how we have a job. Yeah. But like that really got to me. Like some people probably left here and they're like, they haven't even thought about the number. They haven't even thought about the email. And they're like, who cares? I'm going home. And I'm like, what What can I do better? Like, I don't know how yeah. to show up any differently. And I just was trying to do everything I could to not get emotional during yeah. that segment. Cause I didn't want to be, I didn't want to come off that I'm. Did you guys talk about it on the air? Yes, the whole email was read and it was broken down. And then it was like, and number five. And I was like, please let me be five. <laughs> and then I wasn't. And That's he was like, hard. And yeah. six. And it was six. And then I was just like, but I think it's because I'm already in a vulnerable state. Yeah. But in I mean, my you don't mind, have to be in a vulnerable state. That sounds horrible. I, I would, would never be in want worse to, shape than you. Yeah. If that I would me. never want that. Okay, guys, I'm not looking for you to feel No, like, I'm being dead serious. No, I'm serious. I'm, but that's I don't, the nature of our, like, yeah. that's what we do. Like, that's we're right. it's a, one that's thing, part it's of one our thing. thing. Though, it's one thing to have it, to read an email that nobody else is reading, but it's another thing to have it read on the air. That yeah. Would be, I, that would be a little tough. I will say this. Well, I was all when about criticisms it, but, come in, mm -hmm. and I'll get them on Amazon reviews, Willie Nelson always said, weigh your press, don't read it. <laughs> oh. Basically, just to make sure they're talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, if somebody is putting you intentionally last, they're probably paying more attention to you on that show than anybody else. Huh. Well, again, you she see what was I'm saying? Kind. She was like, Amy, love you, but the last month, like, haven't. Well, it know, doesn't sound like a mean spirited it email wasn't. at all. It, that's my point. It like, wasn't mean, but like the fact that I was six just was like, Ugh, it just like punched me down even lower to where it reinforced that narrative of what am I doing here? Like I haven't added value to that one listener, but also everybody on the else on the show has value too. So I don't want anybody to be six, but I don't know. Now Did we're you just think getting it, Do you think it, it. that particular email also made you more aware of how driven you are to be excellent? Because if you didn't have the value of being excellent and entertaining people and providing value, that wouldn't have bothered you. Mm. So it could be just, mm. well, that's so hard. Who knows what this woman is thinking? Well, yeah. You know, right? It's so hard. She might, have she's listening, about she, it. she might be listening to the Four Things podcast. I don't but know. What so this to her, possible? I want to say, like, I, it's not you. Like, you did, you sent the email. It has nothing to do with you. I think it has to do with me and the story that I have in my head. And then that just, like, helped reiterate. And I think when this... The segment was even going on. I'm like, well, this is not good for me to hear right now. Well, that, did you hear what he just asked you? Yeah, well, like, what does it make possible? And I right. was thinking, what is this preparing you for? There you go. Yeah. Okay. Which are his questions well, that we he offered us. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. TBD, Don. One, here's one thing that I'm yeah. trying to learn. As somebody who's more or less wires a people pleaser in many categories, I'm trying to learn how to be okay with enemies. Because I just don't think you can be very, very influential unless you have them. I'm not saying go create them, but I'm saying be okay with them, right? How, how do you go out and say, look, most people think of themselves as victims and most of their problems, most, not all, most of their problems are actually their fault. You want to create a lot of enemies, just say that publicly, mm -hmm. right? Because there's so many people who go, no, it's not my fault. This happened, this happened, this happened. I totally understand. But you have to understand the, the, where I got that idea from was Viktor Frankl 
who developed it inside of a concentration camp where he lost his mother, his father, his wife, and their unborn child. Three months after getting out of the concentration camps, Auschwitz, along with two other camps, he goes on a speaking tour and defends the fact that life is both meaningful and beautiful. And I'm just going, if he can do that, I can probably, you know, muster up a positive attitude about the mountain challenges that I'm encountering right now. And so I'm trying to be, you know, what is criticism, you know, that you read on reviews or whatever make possible? It makes possible tough skin, a forgiving heart, and a determination to keep moving forward with this message because I think it helps people. And so who knows what, what makes possible the fact that this email came in, yeah. right? Weigh it, don't read it. Weigh it, say. don't read it. <laughs> Just make sure they're talking about you. Willie, shout out. Should we quote you? Quote no, you quoting that's, Willie? That's, yeah. <laughs> Kat likes to quote me on episodes because I'm just, I say like two, two things and I'm like, two words, quote me. <laughs> All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas. Anytime I wear them or I get a new pair, they feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, 
food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month, and when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. So four things gratitude is something we do with guests, and I love to hear what you're thankful for, but specifically would like to know a TV show or a movie that mm. you were thankful for. Sounds yeah. like it could be Top Gun too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a book, not one of yours. Something else. Not that you would say that. <laughs> thankful for my book. <laughs> but if you like, hero but on a I, mission. I'm thankful for hero on a mission. Like, I feel like there's so, it would be such a good book club. Yeah. Here on yeah. mission and just discussing it and so much to talk about. A drink or food and then an Instagram follow. Like someone that you follow oh. that you are okay, thankful I've got all four. for. You got all four? Yeah, yeah they came to me pretty quick. Oh, well, you're ready to go. Okay. So hit me. So movie first? Sure. Movie or TV, or TV show? show. Okay, that was that's probably the hardest one. My favorite movie is a movie called Wonder Boys with Michael mm-hmm. Douglas. He plays, he plays Professor Grady Tripp at Carnegie Mellon, and he teaches a literature class. And he's a pot-smoking writer who won a book, Booker Prize. I think it was a Booker Prize for his novel, The Arsonist's Daughter. All this is fiction. And he's having to write a follow-up book, and his life is absolutely mm-hmm. out of control. And it's the most wonderful little dark comedy and it's just about a writer who gets his life together and finds meaning so so i found a lot of hope in that book in fact i used to when i lived in portland i would put up a big screen on the lawn at reed college and show that movie and by the end of the movie there were like 40 students out there watching it with me it was really fun Mm, Uh, i used to love that movie so what was the next one uh instagram a a book oh a book yes to life Hmm. yes to life was just published this past year very recently published. Uh, it is Viktor Frankl's speeches mm. that he gave three months out of the concentration camps. Mm. And, and it's amazing. He's got other books, but that's the book. It's a, it's a short read, super easy, and I love that book. Drink or food? Drink or food. Enchiladas Ooh. with the right enchilada sauce, which is tangy. From where? Anywhere specific? Here in Nashville, it would be Cinco de Mayo. Ooh, nice. Good place. Yep, they, they know me well. 
<laughs> uh, depending on, wh- on where else you go. In Houston, it would be, I mean, I know the city by city where to go. Yeah. <laughs> what about, uh, I'm from Austin. Austin, Texas? Yeah. Okay. Well, Chewy's has changed their menu, but it yeah. used to be pretty good. So, so well, Chewy's, Barton's, at this point, Barton's you want to go to Papacitos. Papacitos? Yeah. In Austin? Yeah, I know it's a chain, but the chain's good. Have it you right. been to Matt's El Rancho? No. Oh, Don. So it's on my list. Next what is time it again? You, Matt's, Matt's El Rancho. It's on Lamar. Okay. In Austin. Yeah. South Lamar-ish. So just down for downtown, get on yeah. Lamar and boom, you're there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm there soonish. Well, so I'm going to go there. You're going to Matt's. Enchiladas will change your life. <laughs> Mexican a, is my favorite genre. Genre. A food. But do you like, do you like Tex-Mex or do you like real? My, my wife and I were watching somebody feed Phil in, in uh, I think it's pronounced Oaxaca. Mexico. You know somebody feeds Phil. Uh-uh. Oh, it's great. It's a Netflix show called Somebody Feeds Phil. <laughs> okay. And he and it's the guy who wrote Everybody Loves Raymond. It's a writer, and he now travels the world and goes from city to city. Oh, cool. Anyway, what I was telling my wife was, as much as I love Mexico, I couldn't live there because I don't eat Tex-Mex. They eat like real healthy Mexican food. <laughs> I don't want healthy Mexican food. I don't I want, want Tex-Mex. That. Anyway, there was an Instagram follow. Is that yes, right? Yes, an Instagram follow. Doctor Henry Cloud. Hmm. Who's this? Tell us more. Doctor Henry Cloud. When he was in his 20s, I think he wrote a book called Boundaries. Sounds and, like a good book. Yeah, and it, it <laughs> sold 750 million copies or Whoa. something like that. He's just a fantastic follow. Okay, Everything that he Cloud. Instagrams, I feel like is just relevant for me right at that moment. It's mm-hmm. like, I was just thinking about this or I was just dealing with this or whatever. He's, mm-hmm. he's also brilliant. He's just I a mean, genius. This is a Dr. Henry Cloud. I'm reading His daughter's boundaries. at um, Belmont. Oh. So he comes to town every once in a while. Also on your Instagram, I saw you put up something maybe today or yesterday about telling the story, especially if you're trying to, I guess it was for businesses and like selling something. And so some people might not be selling something, but I think of, you know, I mentioned my mom and her passing away and there was a campaign that was born from her death called Pimp and Joy. And I feel like in the last few years, like I haven't really gotten to the roots of the story as much as in the beginning I think people are kind of like, wait, I don't get this. What is it? And they think it's cute. So they want to buy the sweatshirt or the shirt because 100% of the proceeds go to various causes, which right now is building a veteran home. So we've partnered with Building Homes for Heroes the last five years through the Bobby Bone Show and our listeners. And it's been awesome. But then I feel like, oh, going back to the roots of the story sometimes is just repetitive. But obviously I have new followers or tapping into the real meaning behind it. And it's not really about buying a T-shirt or a sweatshirt, but yeah. it's about spreading joy to others. And that is one way to do it. Maybe you can't afford to buy the sweatshirt, but the origin is that my mom was diagnosed with cancer and she made it a concerted effort to spread joy to others, especially at the hospital. Cause she knew they, if they were there, they were going through a hard time. Like she would compliment people that she didn't know. She would talk to strangers in the elevator. And to me, that was an example of her being like, okay, this is a sucky thing, but I'm just going to put on my game face. I mean, we had crappy days. That's for sure. It wasn't like, Oh, choose joy. Everything's great. Cause it yeah, wasn't, yeah. but it was like, ultimately the joy of the Lord is my strength was her motto and her prayer at the chapel was lord use this cancer for good it was not lord heal me and so then the legacy as a daughter and like for my sister what has been born from the apparel line that has come from pimp and joy is that like every time i see someone in a sweatshirt or a hat or beanie or whatever in a way that's an answer to my mom's prayer all the money from that shirt or item was used to support a cause that is good 
And to this date, over, I don't know, we're maybe close to $3 million has been donated. Yeah. And my, that's not something my mom ever had the ability to do. Mm-hmm. Like she was a single mom, that's full-time how, job. Think about worked. how inspiring it is. Anybody who can go into a hard situation and say, hey, let's, there's got to be a pinpoint of light we can walk toward. That goes there's got to be some, there it is. Yeah. Let's walk toward that. That's how much yeah. the world needs that person. And a reminder, too, of what you were saying earlier of, like, what is the purpose of this? Like, as a daughter walking through cancer with your mom, but her having that beautiful attitude and modeling that for us. And then me, I hated losing her, but also it's like there's still something happening from it. And there is good that has come from it and really cool things that, you know, I think back to the very, like, your storytelling thing, the clip you put up on Instagram just made me think of, like, it had Im- more impact in the beginning because that story was fresh and it was there. And yeah. it was like, it was all born because her Twitter handle was Judy B. Pimp and Joy. And she didn't even want that. <laughs> she didn't want that. She actually was very uncomfortable with the word pimpin'. And But that also means representing. And we've had certain organizations that we've worked with that are sex trafficking that we've donated to, but like they've accepted yeah. it. But they're like, we're not going to publicly be a part because, yeah. and we're like, we totally understand but this is a family thing that we want to do. And my mom would love donating to y'all. So here you go. We, we get it. No association. Totally fine. Sure. But Judy chooses joy. That handle was taken. No. Well, it's and, also well, not, it's not no. going to spread as quick. Wait but it was, press. But it was it. taken. If that had been available, that's what we would have gone with. But yeah. I was in the waiting room at MD Anderson, like on my mom's iPad, like 2014, trying to figure out my mom's Twitter handle or maybe 2013 at that point. She passed away the, a year later. And then Judy B. Pimpinjoy was available. And I typed that in jokingly. But then from that, hashtags were starting to become a thing. And so we started doing hashtag Pimpinjoy with our listeners. And it was a way for us to see like, hey, if you saw something cool or you've spread joy in a way, it's not about like bragging. It's just maybe it'll encourage and motivate. Just put the hashtag Pimpinjoy so we'll see it. And we had this woman call into the Bobby Bone Show one morning. And she said, I don't listen to y'all. I don't know who y'all are. She said, but I'm a single mom and I was in line at the tire shop and y'all are doing something called Joy Week, I guess, which we were. We had Joy Week early in 2014 before she passed away. And we had country artists coming in. It was just a show full of like spread kindness, do cool things, fun music, like just feel good type stuff. And she said, I was told I needed four new tires and I could not afford that. So I was only going to get one tire. I was telling the guy behind the counter, I can only do one. She said, well, the guy behind me in line stepped up and said, I want to pay for all four of her tires. And she said, you can't do that. And he said, no, my favorite morning show that I listen to, it's Joy Week and I have to do it. (laughs) Like I can and I want to and I'm paying for it. And so she called in the next day and she's like, I never had heard of y'all. I don't even know who the guy was, but he bought all four of my tires because of this joy thing y'all are doing and just wanted to call and say thank you. And so for me, I was like, mom, that, my mom was still alive at that point. Yeah. But I was like, this, this is all like, this is the chain reaction we're having from your decision to choose joy and adversity. And that was a cool moment. And then after we didn't do merch until after she died. So she has no idea that we've ever sold anything or made donations because of it. But it just made me think about the roots because we did a campaign this week for the hero and stuff is still available. But I thought, you know what? He's right. I probably need to share a little bit more of that the root of that and the story and what it's really about when you're buying a shirt. Yeah, sure. It's all going to help build a hero at home, but it's also this message where you can look down at it and know you're a part of this bigger picture yeah. of this 
spreading the joy and the kindness and where it all started mm-hmm. and that it's not just something where we decided to make a t-shirt and sell some merch. Yeah. Like it's so much more than that. And if people want to check out the Pimp and Joy stuff that we do have, the shopforward.com slash Pimp and Joy is an easy way to see everything we have up there. And it's really high quality, nice stuff. And just know that, yeah, when you wear it, you're a part of a bigger story. What we always teach in, in our business classes is that every, if you want your product to sell, you just have to answer one question. What problem does this product solve? And so if you think about Pimp and Joy, it solves the problem that everybody wrestles with this every day. Am I going to have a positive or negative view of life? Period. It's, it's like we just have to, we wake up every day and it's just a test. And so your mom represented the positive view and that sweatshirt represents the positive view. It's a solution to a problem, mm-hmm. right? Every day, negativity attacks me. I need some, I need, just need one more day where I don't give in. And then that's who your mom was. So that's why that, that shirt means so much because of, of that. Like if you just deconstruct why that's yeah. working. Yeah. And then I just smile because, yeah, on a personal level, I get to, if I'm in an airport and I see one, I scream and I'm like, I've run into a tree before, Don. <laughs> because you were at a park? Actually, I was were you in, bathing in the forest. forest? Bathing. No. <laughs> but I was in Austin and I saw someone in downtown Austin wearing this red, white, and blue Pimp and Joy hat we had made. So it was e- easy to spot. Like I'm crossing the street and I'm on the sidewalk with my friend Mary was with me and she's the one, she runs the shop forward and she's the one that designed, designs all the merch and ships it out, which is like, we wouldn't be able to do it without the shop forward. But I am so trying to get this guy's attention. I'm like, Pip and Joy, that's what up? Like in my mind, I'm like, answer to my mom's prayer. Hey. (laughs) And then boom, I run right into a tree and they were so nice. They came over and checked on me. Are you okay? (laughs) We tried to get the downtown street cam footage of it. It was unsuccessful because Mary was like, oh, that would be good if we could find that because it was just classic. (laughs) But, you know, just seeing people in that, like for, for my family, for me and my sister, it's like, Every time a shirt, we see a shirt, it's like, ding, answer to prayer. Answer to my mom's prayer because they weren't there. They didn't see her prayer. And it's like, well, that's how it's been used for good. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that reminder on your Instagram story. So things you're putting out there even on, you you know, obviously the books you're writing are super impactful, but your Instagram reels and stories and posts. Along with pictures of my daughter and yeah, her dog. Yeah, are very helpful, and which we also appreciate. Come out of the garden. <laughs> we also appreciate that. We're we're big fans. So thank you for spending so fan. much time and with I'm us. And I'm very, very grateful that you had me on to have this conversation. I very much enjoyed it. I think the next episode of the fifth thing should be deconstructing my issues after I'm gone. Just go, well, he's got this. <laughs> he's dealing with this. We lay it all out. Actually, no. <laughs> actually, it'd be like very helpful. It's free therapy for me. If I just yeah, listen. no. I'm like, oh, like I said, I wanted, I want to put you in my pocket. Yeah. Got <laughs> no. it. Sound pretty together to me, and I need you to help keep me on track and keep me honest and in my story and in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to be wrestling with the fact that I'm not even mad at you for saying it, but I'm like trying to think like at some point you have to look at where you are and then decide do you belong to here or not? The, I don't see, I can't even talk. So I don't belong to be here. I don't you know, belong to here. You know, I, I started because I, I became a dad late and, and I love. Emmeline, you guys, today she almost walked for the first time. Mm. I, th- I felt like the Well, I hope the you're Seahawks not missing it right now. No, we're not. She's, she's, it's going to be a few days. Okay. But I remember kind of having this self-deprecating attitude right before she was born and after she was born of like, who am I to be a dad? And I don't know what I'm doing. And then I literally just pictured my daughter at 20 years old saying, I didn't need you to not know what you were doing. Mm. I didn't need you. I needed you to protect me. I needed you to provide for me. 
step up and do your job and do a good job. And I, and I just never got self-deprecating again as a father. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, if I don't have it figured out, I'm going to figure it out. Well, I need you to parent me right now. <laughs> Tell me like, but I, but I am, I'm going to be processing that thought of like, at some point you're kind of going to evaluate as and assess the situation and be like, that person, something's up. Like they might be acting there. Cause I'm yeah. like, wait, I want to be authentic and genuine. So at some point I have to let go of this story. Yeah. Well, and this is a nice way to kind of round this out. This, my favorite part of Blue Like Jazz, my, I read that book in college, which right now is a long time ago, but I will never forget the part of the book. It's kind of in the middle, I think, where you're talking about the difference between like beliefs and passion. You said what you probably will butcher it a little bit, but what you um, believe is more important than what you're passionate about because pouring, what did you say? Having passion about nothing is like pouring gasoline in a car without wheels. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of is like, like kind of what you're talking about. It's like what I can be really passionate about thinking that I'm an imposter and like die on that hill. Or I can choose to believe that I do believe, I do deserve to be here and I do know what I'm doing. And so it's not the degree of like how passionate about, it's like, what do you believe? So you're sitting here wrestling with like, do I believe that I deserve to be here? Or do I believe that I don't deserve to be here? And that's what you got to figure out and just own it. Well, my dad, Donald over here says, I deserve to be here. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I don't listen back to many episodes at all. But I feel like this is one where I'm definitely going to be listening back Me for too. you, for you, Me Donald, yeah. for you. Well, I'm going to listen to it too. So. I want to take, <laughs> I want to take it, take it in. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing with the world what you do share. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited to come to your storytelling event, Write Your Story. Write Your Story. With Ali Fallon in October. I can't wait to have you. Kat, are you going to come? I feel like I need to be there. It's, Can I join? It would be very interesting. Oh, yes, yeah. you're more than, yeah. Am just, I invited? I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. Uh, yeah, you, you'll love it. And I'm very curious yeah. from a therapist's perspective because we just, neither Ali and I are therapists, but you can't talk about telling your story without well, saying, well, I don't know what to do about this. Well, it's like narrative therapy. That's like a whole form I of know. therapy. And so, I mean, Ali's book has helped a lot of my clients. So That's her most awesome. recent book. Yeah. So yeah. I um, would love to come. All right. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do it. Okay, let's go. Um, Donald, on Instagram, people can find you, and I'm pretty sure it's just at Donald Miller. Yep, Donald Miller. Right. Okay, and then links to everything, or, or you can access it all. There you, you know, go. Donald has a link tree. There you go. Did you know that? I don't think I knew that. So I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, it's very helpful because okay. it gives people links through Instagram to all of your stuff. Yeah. Well, it's good to meet you. So, so yeah, nice to meet you too. And I'll see everyone on Saturday for an episode of Outway. One of Kat's expert nutritionist friends is going to be on. Mm -hmm. Dylan. Yeah. Dylan Long Murphy. story about that. We won't get into it now, <laughs> but I'm super excited. Dylan's going to be joining me for the next three Saturdays. And then Kat and I will see y'all next Tuesday for the fifth thing. Bye. Bye. Ah, summer, the best time of the year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. 
All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 